Good morning, everyone. Really good to be back. I was uh, telling Sherilyn on the way here that I feel like I've been gone for like a month. <laughs> and it's really good to see you all this morning. This is an exciting time here at Monta Vista. This is a time about every quarter where we switch our Bible class material and we go in basically all of our classes to either the Old Testament if we were in the New Testament or we go to the Old Testament if we were in the New Testament. However, today there is another class that is beginning as well and that is the marriage and family class. Now, I saw Gary Willie grabbing a book for the marriage and family class there are some of you I know who've been married for quite a while, and the focus of that class, I think if you talk to Jason, if you talk to, to Sean, the focus of that class is really on those people who are learning what marriage is all about. Some of us know what marriage is all about. Some of us have been through it before, but there is a great reminder in the material there. So please, make sure you avail yourself of the opportunity to grab the material, to watch online these classes. Maybe not being in the room, saving space for those who actually need to learn the lessons, but that's a, a point for another day. I do want, though, this morning to take a little bit of time and talk about the importance of a class like this. I want to talk about the importance of a class that focuses itself on marriage and family, because is it, is it surprising to you when you go to passages like Matthew chapter 5? Or when you go to passages like Matthew chapter 19, or when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and you start to see this discussion about the importance of marriage and all the rules surrounding how you end a marriage, is it surprising to you to, to see how much the Bible, specifically the New Testament, talks about marriage and how important marriage is and the situations, the circumstances, circumstances under which a marriage can be ended. There's a lot of conversation in the Bible about marriage because marriage is important. And we obviously in this class, Jason and Sean, are going to talk quite a bit about the importance of this institution of marriage, why it's important, how we can, how we can give ourselves to this relationship, how our spouse, we can, we can be a, a, an effective spouse partnering together with our husband or our wife how we can take this relationship seriously if we're a young person and thinking about maybe someday becoming married to someone. And all of these things we're going to talk about in this class, but I, I want to stop just for a second and go back and rewind and zoom out to ask ourselves really the basic question that I love to ask when I get to passages in the Bible that have a lot of rules. I know a lot of times we look at the Bible and all these rules and we say, okay, well, I've got to follow the rules. The rules are there. I'm going, to, I'm going to be obedient to the rules. I'm going to follow the pattern. But when I was a little kid, my favorite question to ask was, why? Why are there so many rules about marriage in the Bible? Why does God care so much about what I do in my home with my wife? Why did God set up a relationship between a husband and a wife? Wouldn't it have made more sense rather than a monogamous relationship? We just got done, by the way, driving through parts of our state that don't exactly comport with a monogamous lifestyle. Why wouldn't God just allow us to have many wives or many husbands? 
Why wouldn't God support that kind of a... a re- Why did God make marriage the way he did? It's a good question. And I think the Bible has some important answers for us as to, as to why God has done these things. And we're going to talk a little bit less today about marriage because really we're going to spend a whole quarter, or those people who are involved in the class are going to spend a whole quarter talking about marriage. I want to talk, though, about the relationship that is more important than marriage the relationship that marriage is modeled after. And that is our relationship with God. Marriage is modeled after our relationship with God. And so if you want to understand how to have an effective marriage, how to be a a dedicated and loving, faithful spouse, if you want to know how to be somebody in your home that contributes to to the growth of your family, well, you first have to have the understanding of how to do that with the Lord your God. Then and only then can you really understand what marriage is all about. Because God never intended us to, to just view marriage as a relationship alone. He wanted us to see marriage as almost a training ground for our relationship with him. We're going to look at that today, just for a little bit. We're going to think together about these things, because I think when you go back to passages in the Old Testament, we're going to spend a lot of time this morning looking at the Old Testament, because God uses language in the Old Testament to help us understand that this marriage relationship is modeled after our relationship with him. In fact, God's relationship with the children of Israel, he refers so often in the Old Testament to it as a marriage. And when he talks about divorce, divorcing Israel and sending them away, you'll start to understand why Jesus stands so strongly and Paul stands so strongly about divorce being a serious thing, because it's a serious thing to God himself. If you go back to Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, we're going to spend just a little bit introducing the lesson there, and then we're going to spend the rest of our lesson in Hosea. So if you go back to Jeremiah, great prophet. I love Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. But we see here in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 6, the Lord said to me in the days of King Josiah, Jeremiah 3, verse 6, have you seen what she did? And Just stop one second. Parental guidance here. I'm going to use Bible words, and I'm going to say them forcefully and with a point. Now, I want you to understand that the Bible is communicating language that is severe and serious. So for those little ones, please make sure that you explain these things on the way home today, because it's important. God says, have you seen what she did? God speaking about Israel. That faithless one, Israel, how she went up on every high hill and under every green tree and there played the whore? And I thought... After she's done all this, will she return to me? But she did not return. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. She saw it for all the adulteries of that faithless one, Israel. I had sent her away with a decree of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but she too went and played the whore. And he goes on to talk about her adultery, their adultery, Israel's adultery, and Judah's adultery. Why does the Bible spend so much time? Why does Jesus spend so much time talking about divorce? 
God spent a lot of time talking about divorce. Not in a, in a physical marriage relationship, but in his relationship, in God's relationship with his people. And because Israel and Judah both rejected and, as he uses the language here, played the whore, they went out and found other spouses to spend their time with in adultery, God sent them with a decree of divorce. You get out of here. I'm done with you. And so as we think about marriage, our marriages today, why are our marriages so important? Because they help us understand our relationship with God. God views his relationship with his people in a way that is so intimate and close like that relationship between a husband and a wife. So we're going to spend some time thinking about that language as we go back to the book of Hosea. We'll spend quite a bit of time in the book of Hosea. So if you turn there, Hosea, uh, we'll begin in about, in about chapter one here in a second. But the big idea in this lesson is we're starting to think about marriage and the importance of marriage and how marriage is modeled after our relationship with God. The big idea is that God wants a relationship with us. That's an important word, by the way. I don't want to gloss over that this morning. God wants a relationship with us. Like a deep, connected relationship with us. He doesn't want us to just be like a roommate in his house, right? He doesn't just want us to be like, like a co-worker or... No, he wants a relationship with us. And we're going to talk about what that involves in just a second, but he wants that relationship with us to be based on faithfulness, love, and service. And as you can see, faithfulness, love, and service are going to be so paramount and important in a marriage relationship, in a relationship between a husband and a wife, but we learn those things based on our relationship with God our Father. All right, so let's continue on here in the lesson. If I haven't sold you already, we're going to go to Hosea chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 2. This describes God's relationship with the children of Israel. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. This is God's side. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. This is really setting up this book. Hosea, as most of you will remember, is basically God's object lesson in how he feels being rejected by his people. And so he tells Hosea to go out and marry somebody who will cheat on him, who will commit adultery against him. And Hosea, in this relationship, physically speaking, represents the faithful husband. Hosea is not off cheating on Gomer, his wife. No, Hosea is faithful, and God is faithful. God is not out there playing around, messing around behind the scenes against us. No, no, God is faithful. But what about, what about the children of Israel? Obviously, there in those verses, we get a sense of her adultery, but then we see in Hosea chapter 4, if you'll turn over there, Hosea 4 verses 1 to 2, this is where we start to see Israel's unfaithfulness. We see, hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. 
There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. When we give ourselves to a, to a committed relationship with our spouse, faithfulness is critical. We enter into a covenant. We enter into an agreement to be with our spouse until we either die or, or the other one decides not to be with us anymore and leaves us. I mean, that, those are the two options. Death and, and sexual immorality are the two ends to marriage. But that covenant, that bond is so important in a marriage relationship, but even more important in our relationship with God. God is not leaving. God is not going away. God is not dying. And so it is really up to us. The ball is in our court. And as we see with Israel, God had a controversy with them because there was no faithfulness there. They played the adulterous one. They played the one who went off after other gods. They didn't listen to God. They didn't live a lifestyle that comports with God's standard. They shed blood. They lied. They stole things. They swore. They did all kinds of things. And that leads us to understand that God is faithful to us, and we ought to be faithful to him. Are you faithful to God? Because we could talk all day long about being faithful to our spouse. And that would, be a, that would be an important conversation to have. And I think we will in this, in this class. But even more important than our faithfulness to our spouse is our faithfulness to God. If we are not sticking, sticking side by side with God, if we are not sticking close to God, following him, listening to him, being faithful to him, well, it doesn't really matter then how we relate to our spouse, does it? Because we're not in a relationship with God, the one relationship, the most important relationship that could ever exist. And so faithfulness is so important in a marriage. And we learn about faithfulness because God is faithful and that, that connection that we have with him. And it reminds me of verses like 1 Corinthians chapter 7, as Paul's going to go on to talk there about how we, we are tempted to sin. And he says there, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband, for the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. There is a, there is a, a pact. There's a covenant. There's a promise to be made that has been made in a marriage, that I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm not going to mess around. I'm not going to go off after others. And we help each other in that, as Paul's talking about here in this verse. We help each other maintain that kind of purity, maintain that kind of faithfulness. We look out for each other's needs in a physical way, but also in an emotional way, in a spiritual way. We're connected with each other, and we're making sure that that bond is growing stronger and stronger every day. I've been married for 20 years, and I know my wife way more now than I ever did 20 years ago, and that bond has grown stronger and stronger, even through difficulty. Not, not standing up here saying that everything's been perfect and rosy. No, no, it has not, because I'm me. Hi. 
<laughs> she is patient and loving and faithful, and I, I struggle. And that bond, that love that we'll talk about in just a second, helps us to stay connected to each other. And we need to make sure that in a marriage relationship, we echo the relationship that we have with God and that we're not going anywhere. We're steadfast. We are rock solid. We are unmovable. And I hope that for you in your relationship with God, first and foremost. And I pray that for you in your relationship with your spouse as well. Because those two relationships, two maybe of the most important relationships that will ever exist in your life, those need to be based on faithfulness and connection. And start that now. If you haven't given yourself in marriage, start that now in your relationship with God. All right, so we get the point. So get, get where we're going here. We're going to do this two more times. You ready to go? How about love? You think about love as being the basis of a, of a really a meaningful relationship, not just with our spouse, but more importantly with God. And we see how that broke down here in Hosea chapter 3. Hosea chapter 3, this speaks about God's love. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1, and the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. I love this language because God is speaking about how Hosea is going to love Gomer. Even though Gomer is loved by someone else, even though Gomer does not love him, Hosea loves his wife. God loved Israel. God loved Israel so much that he was so patient with her and so forbearing over her and just gave her chance after chance after chance. He loved her even when she was unlovable. God loves you even though sometimes you're unlovable and I am unlovable. Let us look at Hosea chapter 6 verse 4 about how unlovable we can be. Hosea chapter 6, verse 4, God says, What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes early away. I know we don't know a whole lot about morning clouds or dew here in Phoenix, <laughs> but if you live in a place that actually has weather, you will know and understand that in the morning, what the weather looks like can change pretty quickly once the sun comes out and burns off those clouds. And, oh, it'll look like a torrential downpour. And about 10 minutes later, poof, the clouds are gone. And that's how God describes their love for him. We don't need to be in a relationship with God that way. We don't need to be in a, in a relationship with God where our love is just like a butterfly that flits away, like a cloud that burns off in the morning sun. How sad would it have been? I mean, th seriously, think about Hosea and Gomer. How sad would it have been to be the one in that relationship who loved someone who just didn't love you? And that person actually loved worldly pleasures and other lovers way more than you. I mean, like, 
Would you, would you stay in a relationship like that? Seriously, think about that. Would you, would you want to stay in an unloving relationship like that? Where the person on the other side just did not give your love back to you? That'd be hard. And when the Bible explains to us about marriage, and the Bible is trying to get us to understand how to act in our homes as husbands or wives, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but I, I need us to understand first and foremost that if we don't understand if we don't have a relationship, a loving, committed, as we talked about, relationship with God, how can we extend that to another person? How can we be in a loving and committed relationship to another person when we can't do that to our creator, to our maker, the one who has never left us, the one who's never made fun of us, the one who's never put us down, the one who's never put, stuck his foot in his mouth? Now, I'm going to transition here to talking about marriage for a second, because I've done that. I'm, I'm, going, to be the, I'm going to be the husband here who, who just acknowledges and gets real, like, I've stuck my foot in my mouth. I've done things that weren't very loving in our relationship. She can tell you. She knows. Yet she loves me. And yes, she's done things that she ought not to do as well, and I love her, and that, that, that love is mutual. That love is deep. And that's what our relationships need to be modeled after in our homes, is that kind of love that we have with the Lord our God. Which, as we're going to talk about, I think, in this whole class, Ephesians chapter 5 is really the great sort of pinnacle, I suppose, of the explanation of what I'm trying to say here in this lesson. Ephesians chapter 5, looking at verse 28, Paul says, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he's talking about, our relationships with our spouse, loving them as our own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. That is the comparison Paul is making, by the way. The marriage relationship is really a relationship that mimics and reflects our relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus, our husband, and us as the church, as his bride, he loves us. He nourishes us. He cherishes us. He cares about us, just like he loves himself. It's a love that is so deep. It's a love that's so meaningful. This is not just like a, a fleeting, flitting away kind of love. This is a love that lasts. Do you love God that way? Because he loves you that way. Do you love God in a way that is strong and stable and is not going to flit away? Do you love your spouse like that? Do you love your husband that way? Do you love your wife that way? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to show them that? because of your relationship with God. Love is so important in a marriage, but love is even more important in our relationship with God. So those are the two things, and the final one is this, and I think it just sort of rolls into this conversation because the, the very last thing that I'm thinking about in our relationship with God as I read the book of Hosea is the idea of service. Hosea chapter 13, actually, is where I see this, this word being used. 
God, God is serving his people. And that really, as we're going to talk about in a second, is what marriage is, is built on as well, is service. But if we look here in God's help that he offers and extends to his people, even a people who don't love him and are unfaithful to him, God says in Hosea chapter 13, verse 7, So I am to them like a lion. Like a leopard, I will lurk beside the way. I will fall upon them like a bear robbed of her cubs. I will tear open their breasts, and there I will devour them like a lion as a wild beast would rip them open. Something has changed in his language, hasn't it? Ooh, this is where it starts to get a little bit serious and a little bit scary. He's not just name-calling anymore. Now he's making threats that he is fully capable of following through on. But he's making these threats, and he says in verse 9, He destroys you, O Israel, for you are against me, against your helper. What does God call himself in the relationship? The helper. He's a helper. Now I want you to go back in your memory banks to Genesis in the beginning. Adam and Eve. Adam was created. And who was created to be his helper? Eve. The woman was created to be the helper. Now hold on a second. Men aren't supposed to help. The women are supposed to help. No, no. God, the husband, is the helper. God, the husband, offers and extends service. I don't know if you've thought about marriage that way. Maybe not. Maybe we've got a, an old school view of marriage. But when you look at God's relationship with his people, God is serving. You see that? How much is God serving? I want to ask a question just really quickly. Because sometimes, you know, people will say in a marriage class like we might be having, I know we're not going to say this, but some people will say that each person gives 50-50, right? Each person, thank you for shaking your head. I appreciate that. That's not what we're going to say in this class coming up here. No, each person does not give 50-50. Each person gives 100%. Can you imagine God serving us halfway? I can't. God never served us halfway. Yes, God expects us to respond, but God has done everything for us. God has done everything for us because of his love. Yeah, I know you're reciting John 3.16 in your head. He's given us everything. He's given us his son. What more can God give to us as our helper? In this relationship that we have with God, God offers us service because he is both faithful and steadfastly loving us. He loves us so much, and he is so faithful to us that he is going to serve us, clean us up, wash us white as snow. He wants us to be pure and holy before him, and he's going to do his part 100% of the way. That's what God is going to do. However, as we go back and we look at chapter 6, verses 5 through 6, here's what Israel did in this relationship. Hosea chapter 6, verses 5 to 6, we read about Israel. It says, Therefore I have hewn them by the prophets, I have slain them by the words of my mouth. 
and my judgment goes forth as light, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. They were serving God. They were offering sacrifices. They were putting all these burnt offerings out there for God, but that's not what God wanted. God wanted their love. God wanted their dedication and their devotion. God wanted them to know him and have a relationship with him. And that's what he really wanted more than all of these menial menial acts of service. God wanted a deep relationship where he gave everything and his people gave everything back. Do you think it's changed much since Hosea? Do you think that's how God relates to us today? God wants us to serve him in the way that he has already and continues to serve us, to be our helper. Not that God needs anything from us, but it is our, it is our reasonable response to all the amazing things God has done. And so we think about Ephesians 5 again, backing up to verse 22, where we see our marriage relationships in this same light, in this same light of service where we see how Paul says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You see, even in this language, that Paul's using here this mystery that the relationship models after our relationship with Christ, how Christ gave, and he expects us to give. It's the mutual service that we all offer to each other. And in our, in our homes, if one party or the other is pulling all the weight, it's a broken relationship. And I know we're going to talk about that in the class. And and, and it's an important thing for us to think about in our own homes. But seriously, zoom out and ask yourself, do you serve the Lord God with everything? Are you going through the motions? Are you just putting in half-hearted, superficial, surface-scratching kind of, of service to God? Or are you, as he talks about here, are you giving him your steadfast love? Are you developing a knowledge of God, a relationship with God, a connection with God? That's what he really wants from you. And that's, I think, if you're married, I think that's what your spouse wants from you too. And isn't it cool just to stop for a second and to think about a relationship that maybe we take for granted, that maybe we don't think about as seriously as we should, And just think that this was created to help teach us about a more important relationship between us and our maker. And so I'll leave you with this. Ephesians 5, again, verses 32 through 33. This mystery is profound, Paul says. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. My prayer for us all 
No matter where you are in life, whether you're Gary Willie or you're anyone else here who's thinking about getting married, like the high school kids, no matter where you are, take seriously your relationship with your spouse. But before that, before that, take so much more seriously your relationship with Jesus Christ, your Lord. Love him. In faithfulness and dedication, give yourself every day to his service. And my prayer for you is that you will have a marriage that models after your relationship with God. Thanks for your attention. I appreciate it. I know there's going to be like a, a sea of people rushing to the other class, but just, you know, keep my caveat and asterisk in mind. It's a small room back there. <laughs> Give them opportunities to have these discussions. And as we all look at the material and watch these videos online, I hope you'll be blessed to see these studies and to apply them both to your relationship with the Lord and to your spouse. Take out your songbooks or just watch the screen up here. We're going to sing a song of encouragement. And if you need to come to the Lord today and you haven't given yourself to him, you haven't started that relationship with him today, we'd encourage you to do that. Please come as we stand and sing.